The Bible says there in 2 Timothy that the Apostle Paul said that Timothy had been made wise to salvation through the Scriptures. And he talked about how his mother and his grandmother had taught him the Scriptures. And that's what sparked this on teaching children. I think that first message was teaching children to listen to the voice of God, to listen to God. And then our second message, which we preached last week, was teaching children to lean on God. And we begin to preach about David and Goliath. And then this week, we are here in John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now, we, we refer to it as 5,000 because there was 5,000 men, but never forget, besides women and children. So there was more than 5,000 people in this group. And here in the book of John, we see that there is a lad here. And I believe that to be important. Now, I almost titled this, Teaching Children to Give to God. Now, I wanted everything to stay in the L, so my first message was teaching children to listen to God teaching children to lean on God. And of course, today's message could be titled, Teaching Children to Lend to God. Lend to God. It's biblical, but uh, the Holy Spirit seems fit for me to, uh, to change it, learning to lend or learning to give. I believe it to be a lesson and a message that all of us could uh, take in and to, could learn from. And again, as I begin to dissect this passage of Scripture... I believe it's the little lad that's doing the teaching here and teaching the apostles something about faith. Let's find out about that and look at Scripture starting in verse 1. He says here, And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, and he saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, this is one of the apostles, and I believe this is why it spoke to me, my first name is Philip. And I could see me acting like Philip. He says, Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he says, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Philip was an estimator. He was good with numbers. See, how do you know that? Because he didn't hesitate when he answered the Lord. He says, 200 penny worth uh, bread would not be enough, even if everybody just took just a little. And so he says... One of his disciples, Andrew, which is Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, here's the phrase that sparked the message, there is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Let us pray and ask God to bless the message this morning. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, help us today in the things that we do. Help us to suffer the little children. But Lord, help us today to learn to give to you. 
no matter how small it is, because in the hands of the master it will be sufficient to meet the needs. If there be any lost, Lord, let them see that need today. They need to trust you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, in this message, this is a miracle. And this miracle is different than the other miracles that Christ did. Now, this particular miracle is recorded in all four Gospels. Now, in the other miracles that Christ did, He was either healing the sick, raising the dead. And those miracles, not that they're any less, but those miracles is He was restoring what once was. But in this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, this is where He is creating food where there was not before food. It's a very unique miracle. Matter of fact, this miracle proves the deity of Christ because only God can create. One of the definitions for the word create is to speak into existence. That means to make something to appear that is tangible that did not before exist. A very wonderful miracle. A miracle proving that He is God. And I believe that we need to take note of it. I believe there's something here that we need to learn. Now, there's another miracle that is like it, which was the first miracle that Jesus did. And it was when he turned the water into wine. That means he brought something into existence that was not there before. I believe these two miracles, when you put them together, the blood or the wine is a picture. And by the way... When he turned the water into wine, it was not Mogan David. It was not your favorite brand. It was the pure fruit of the vine. If I've had to answer that question and articulate that once, I've done it 50 times in my ministry. Everybody goes there when they say, well, they try to get an excuse to drink alcohol because Jesus turned the water into wine. Therefore, God is endorsing alcoholic beverage. That is nonsense. That is anti-Christ. It is not there. And it breaks a very important type in the Word of God about the pure blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. To make wine or fermented wine, you got to have yeast or corruption. Leaven in the Bible is a type of sin. Christ would have never turned the water into fermented wine. The Bible is clear to say that a man, if he was to put a bottle to his neighbor's mouth, is to commit a great sin. Jesus never sinned. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was not a wine-bibber. Even though he was accused of being one, he was not. It was a very unique miracle, and it was a picture of the perfect blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for us on Calvary. But here we have the bread, and this bread that he says he breaks, and then he distributes to the disciples, and the disciples to the, pit, the people. This bread pictures the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is a very beautiful picture, and a very beautiful uh, a type of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it to be very unique in Christ's earthly ministry. 
And also when he gives that bread to the disciples, they were the ground and pillar of the church. They were the early church pastors. And as we still do to this day, because we continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the man of God must go to the Lord Jesus Christ and get some bread so that when we come here on the Lord's day, I have something from God to give to you. Beautiful type in the Word of God. Now I believe that Matthew's rendition of this, it foreshadows Christ in a coming day in the future, feeding Israel's poor. And the verse I'm referencing is Psalms 132, verse 15. It's a little prophecy of what Christ is going to do during the tribulation time period. When Israel runs to Petra, they're going to have to be fed. And Christ in the past has fed the nation of Israel with manna from heaven. But then Mark, he tells this same account. But Mark's mention of it teaches us the chief duty of God's servants. That's your pastor and preachers who break the bread of life to the starving. I believe you've probably come here hungry this morning. Hungry spiritually. You need something. You need something that you can use in your life. You need something that's going to help you get through this week. You've probably had bad weeks. Maybe you've had good weeks. But you need something. You're hungry. And something has brought you here this morning. And I'm glad you're here. And I've spent quite a bit of time with the Lord this week. And hopefully the Lord can take what little my mind can process and then make it sufficient to meet your need. But then Luke's mention, he teaches the sufficiency of Christ to meet the needs of all men. But then here, John, he teaches us that Christ is the food for God's children. But I also believe that there is something else the Lord is trying to teach us here. For only in the book of John is the lad mentioned. I believe this lad is going to teach us something about giving to the Lord. And that's why I really didn't title the message on teaching children to give. But if that's how you want to apply it, most assuredly apply it that way. But I believe this lad teaches these apostles that lack the faith. Philip says, and he begins to look at his natural resources, what he had, had at hand. Possibly 200 pennies worth is what they had in the bag. I dare say he wouldn't have just called that number out of the blue. I believe it's probably all the money that they had on hand. They did have a treasure. Judas was the treasure. And the Bible says that he kept the bag. And I see here, their faith was weak. I often do this, I look at our resources. I look at the resources we have on hand and I say, Lord, it's not enough. It's not going to work. There's no way we can sustain uh, what we're doing at this rate with what we have. 
I'm just like Philip. I believe that's why this passage had spoke so personally to me and the Holy Spirit had brought it to my attention. But yet it, the story does not stop there. At least when Philip, his faith was weak, at least his obedience was not weak. And if our faith grows weak, and many times our faith is weak, we pray that our obedience to God does not fail. If you want to strengthen, strengthen your faith, then obey God. Bible says that to obey is better than to sacrifice. Obedience to God will strengthen your faith when it is weak. And I believe we see that here. But I also believe that the Lord is using this child to teach us a lesson. I believe that children do teach us lessons. Most of the time, those lessons are patience. <laughs> I, I, I think that's what uh, we learn a lot <laughs> through children. But let me say this about Christ and how he interacted with children. And, and that's why I am a big, big advocate of keeping the children in the service. I don't like junior churches. It's not that I'm totally against them. And I, it's like, oh, I would never do that. But I like having the children in the service because we're going to learn. I'm going to give you a couple scriptures. Christ always had the children in the service. He never separated them off. We never see that picture or that type or that precedent laid out in the Word of God. And there's a reason for it. I believe there's wisdom to that. I believe that's why we've lost a generation, if not two, is because we would never allow them to be involved in the service. We brought them and shipped them off to a junior church, and they were not allowed in the sanctuary because we wanted our sanctuary time perfect time. We wanted it quiet time so we could listen to the message, and we wanted free babysitting. But what happened was you was pushing your children farther from God. You were teaching them by example that you didn't want them or God didn't want them involved in the service. And God is clear to say, suffer the little children. Jesus says this in Matthew 18. He called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said... Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children. He uses a child to give the example, except ye become as little children. You've seen these little children up here, right? Are you seen Kinsley and Sidney and Maverick and little Harper? Except ye become as little children and be converted, ye cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, why would he say that? Because that was innocence there. There's no malice in that. How they think, what they're thinking, that's what comes out. How they're feeling in the moment, that's what comes out. They don't know how to hide it, but they want to be part of it. And you've seen them, even little Harper wants to be part of it. And she's learning now she be, be, to be included. She's learning now to be part of this youth choir. She's being taught that she is wanted, she is needed, she is a blessing. The Bible is clear, except you become like that. You won't see the kingdom of heaven. And he says, Whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We wouldn't humble ourselves like that, would we? I mean, they, they don't think nothing about it. They're going to get up. They're going to sing. Now the older ones are having a little, some issues. And, and when I say that, I, I don't mean to uh, say that they don't want to. It's just they're a little more aware of maybe how they appear or how they look. Uh, for two cents, I'd have showed you the video of them singing that same song Wednesday night. And I promise you this, they sang it a whole lot louder. 
Things change when you get in front of people. You get stage fright. But the younger ones don't know anything about that. I think Christ is teaching us something about children. But this is how I believe that Jesus felt about children in his service. And I've had to deal with this in the early years of my pastorate here. Is people did not want children in the service. It was a point of contention which I did not understand and had to work myself through. Here's how the Lord handled that. In Mark chapter 10, he says, And they brought young children to him. And he touched them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. See, the disciples were a lot of times like us. They didn't want children in the service because sometimes they're a little noisier. Sometimes they can't sit still as long as us adults can. We, we got that. And so the disciples says, get them out of here. Get them out of here. Here's what the Lord said. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. And verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. Oh, he's talking about that faith. That trusting faith. You take a two-year-old, maybe even a three-year-old, and you tell them to jump off that step because you're going to catch them on the bottom. They don't even hesitate, do they? And then sometimes they get around four or five and they get a little heavier and, and, and they'll just jump on you and you've got to try to catch them. But little ones, they're trusting. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about, that innocence there. Let me give you a verse out of Proverbs before we get into the points of the message. Proverbs 19, verse 17 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth, unto the Lord, and that which he hath given, will he pay him again. You say, what, what's that Bible verse saying? The Lord says that you will never outgive him. That's what that says. The Lord says he will not be in debt to his children. He'll not be in debt to no man. If you give something to the Lord, He's going to give it back to you. And he uses the language lend. And that's why I wanted to title the message, Learning to Lend to God. Because I believe that's what this little boy does. He lends his lunch. But I'm trying to do twofold purpose. I use the word give. Because giving is in lending. And not only did he lend, he gave. And that was the part I wanted even us adults to get give, is we need to give like children give. And I spent a lot of time thinking about children and when it comes to food. And I remember a couple weeks back, I had uh, uh, picked up Kinsley and was uh, bringing her home, and I picked her up a Happy Meal. And I didn't pick nothing up for me because I'd already eat. She didn't know that. And so we got at the kitchen table, and she said, Do you not have nothing to eat? I said, Well, no. You know what she did? She started trying to feed me French fries and feed me her, her hamburger. She wanted me to eat. She was going to share her lunch. She didn't just put a piece. She, she was going to allow me to eat whatever I wanted because she didn't want me to go hungry. That's children. 
That's a unique child because I probably wouldn't have done that myself. But uh, as a kid, I, I was always on the, the stingy side of things. I was looking to see how I could get the food out of my brothers and sisters' plates without them saying anything. But, but she's a little different that way. And, and I believe that's how this lad was. And the Bible is clear to say, Him that hath pity upon the poor and lendeth unto the Lord. You're doing it for God. But I want to draw your attention back to verse 2. Learning how to give to God, number one, you're going to have to learn how to follow. It is a prerequisite to giving. You're going to have to learn how to follow Jesus. And I believe this little lad here, look with me in verse 2. And he says, And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. I believe this little lad was part of this multitude. I also believe, the Bible is vague, but I also believe that he was there by himself. I believe there could have been other family members there, but I think that he was able and allowed to follow this group probably because there's family. We've seen that in the lives of Jesus. Mary and Joseph, they, they, they went back from Jerusalem and they just thought he was with other family members. I believe this to be another case like that. It was a day where people were more family-oriented and trusting. So this lad was following Jesus and his motive was he saw him doing miracles. Now, let me do just a little preaching I do not mean to be mean. I don't mean it to sound mean. But we need to get this. This is important. I believe it is very important when children want to follow Jesus that you let them. I believe that it's very, very important. Children, when they're young, many times they're discouraged because they're not taken to church. I believe you need to bring your children to church. I believe it to be very important. Let me give you a verse to give you a thought on maybe how I'm thinking on this. In Matthew 19, verse 14, he says, But Jesus said, Suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And my thinking is, he said, Forbid them not to come to me. We know that Christ is in the midst of us this morning. We know that church is about worship to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We understand that church is the place where God sees our worship. And then we begin to proclaim and preach from the Word of God. We bring our petitions before the Lord and we have public prayer. And many times children want to take part of that. I'm talking about little ones and medium ones. I believe this lad to be a preteen. You say, why? Well, because most teens don't want to follow Jesus. I hate to say that. They get distracted. They, they begin to lose that innocence. They don't think it's cool anymore. It's not hip. And, and they see that there's an offense towards the cross. They don't want to be associated with it. There's bigger and better things to do. I believe this lad to be a preteen. But here's my point. Your children, they want to come to church. You only have them for just a little while. 
Do not forbid them the opportunity to come to church. I believe it to be a great sin that you can commit to provoke your children to wrath and to anger. And God said, don't do that. You're offending. And what did he say about offending children? He says, you're not good for much. And a millstone should be put around your neck and cast into the sea. God has a high value on children. Just those simple thoughts alone would make you know that Jesus is against abortion. Yeah, I I can get an amen on that. Jesus had such a high value on the lives of children. Such a high value. And we should pay attention to let our children, to teach our children to follow God. Because there's a day coming when they won't want to. And many parents, they start trying to get involved in the work of God or in church and taken uh, serious after their kids become teens. And then they can't figure out why they never want to come to church. It starts at the age of little Harper. It starts then. Uh, my nieces, my Jeremiah's children, uh, they were born, and, and then in a week, week and a half, they've been in church, and they've probably made more church than most people have, most adults. And they're raised in church. I was raised in church. We didn't miss services. Church, we planned our schedule around church times. We were not forbidden to come to follow Jesus. I believe that to be a very important point here. And if you're ever going to learn how to give your all to God, you're first going to have to learn how to follow. But then, we see as this develops, we see the availability of this lad in verse 9. We see the problem present itself. Jesus says, we need to feed them. The preachers, the disciples says, we need to send them home. We can't feed this mob. I told the church a few weeks back that I've always worried in the earlier years when we have a homecoming or something of running out of food. And I would sit and worry, and I hate to confess this, but I I would always cringe when I seen our people try to advertise it and say, come, it is homecoming Sunday. We're going to have food. I'm like, we're going to run out. We're not going to have enough. I know we're not. Until I had a conversation with the Holy Spirit. He says, you got a church card, don't you? Yeah, buy pizza. <laughs> pizza, pizza. <laughs> Little Caesars. <laughs> and so now I say, if we run out of food, I appoint one of the men to kind of keep an eye on. If you think we don't have enough food, here's the church card. Go get some pizza. Don't worry about it. Get everybody invited and bring them in. But I, I, I was just like Philip. Lord... <laughs> 200 penny worth ain't going to be enough to feed this mess. We're going to have to send them home. <laughs> They're forcing us to go big, Lord, and we don't have it. The bigger crowds you got, the bigger needs you got, the bigger problems you got. And so I'm sitting here, oh no, Lord, we don't need this many folks. We need to stay small. <laughs> and the Lord's like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but the Lord doesn't berate the disciples here. Over there in Mark, he tells Philip, go and see how many in the crowd have loaves. And I believe as Philip told the other disciples, they begin to work. The people say, hey, you guys got any bread here? Is there any bread? Is there any bread? Is there any bread? I believe that little lad heard that. He's looking at his little lunch because I believe he had a loving mother. I know I had a loving mother. 
If my, if my mom sent me somewhere like that, or many times my mom made my lunch. We went to a Christian school, and we took a little bag lunch, and my mom made that for me every day. She made sure we had good lunches. I didn't have to eat bologna or lunch meat like some of these kids did. No, my mama was up frying chicken, uh, frying salmon patties, or whatever else we had had, and there was leftovers, and that's what was in lunch. I love salmon patties. Oh, I love them. I'd eat a nice salmon patty sandwich with ketchup and cheese. Mom would buy Velveeta cheese and just put a big slice of Velveeta cheese on that. I had an apple, a salmon patty, homemade whole wheat bread. Oh, my soul. And then give me a little change so I could buy a little bag of chips there at school. Woo! That was good. And then Mama tried to make sure I had a little treat in there. Something, a little, we grew up loving Debbie cakes. I don't know about you all. You can buy a box of them for 99 cents. And boy, those things were as good as money in our home. <laughs> but I believe this little lad had a, a mother that had fixed that lunch that day. And sent him on his way. And that little boy knows that that was all that he had. But he made himself available when he heard the call. Is there anybody here that had any loaves and he said yeah yeah I got five loaves and two fishes and Andrew he said well, well come here come here I believe Andrew brings this boy to the Lord I believe this teaches us the availability as a prerequisite to being used of God one you're going to have to follow but two you're going to have to be available to be used of God. If you can't get those two points down, and I hear this from so many people, I wish God would just bless me. I don't know why God won't bless me. Well, number one, you're going to have to follow. He didn't feed the world here. He fed this multitude that was following him. Got that free. But then somebody stood up and made themselves available. I was telling the Sunday school class, so often people sit and say, well, you know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And God can just make manna fall from heaven. I guess God's got this. When the whole time the Bible teaches us that God uses people and their means to meet His need. That's why this verse of Scripture is there. He says, when you lend to God, God's going to give it back to you. And God says, when I give it back to you, according to Luke, He says, I don't, I don't just... Fill it up to the top. I shake it down like we do when we're cooking cake. you got to shake that flour down, make sure, and then you get it. He says, and then I make it run over. But you're going to have to give. You're going to have to be available. You're going to have to be there. And this lad comes to Christ. And Jesus, he chooses to work through people. He involved the disciples here. He partners with this lad, and he uses his lunch. And yes, Jesus could have had manna fall from heaven, but he didn't. But now let me get you to the message. The teaching of the lad. Christ begins to teach. Andrew brings the lad. Now, I'm reading a little in between the lines, but I believe I'm within the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. So bear with me. I believe that the pattern in Scripture is that the Lord beckons the lad to come to him. Jesus is seen in Scripture to suffer the little children. He often would take them to himself and bless them. 
I believe that that would happen maybe even while he was preaching or speaking. They might come up and then he would touch them and he would bless them. He always was suffering the children. I also believe as per Jesus' character, he asked this boy for his lunch. For it says he took the loaves in verse 11, but this is not the taking of violence, but the taking of what had been willingly given. For immediately when he takes these possession of these loaves, he asks grace. He blesses them. Now, I know he didn't take them violently because, and you've seen this, none of the thieves that I've seen on these videos and in the news that are robbing these stores, they're not coming out and getting down on their knees and asking and thanking God for what they just took. So I believe firmly because I know the character of the Lord that Christ asked him for this lunch. Andrew brought him because he had five loaves and two fishes. Andrew wasn't just going to come back to the Lord and said, yeah, I think I found five loaves, two fishes. He brought this lad. He had enough sense to know that Jesus was going to use this somehow. And I believe that Jesus beckoned this lad to himself. I believe that Jesus said, why don't you sit down here? Because he had everybody sit down. And I believe he had that lad sit beside him. And I can see the Lord. Can I have your lunch? Can I see that? And I believe this lad willingly, he says he gives it all. Now, had that been me, I'd have given the Lord one of the fishes and maybe two loaves. <laughs> I wouldn't mind sharing a little, but I wasn't giving it all. <laughs> this is quite a unique lad. Now, I believe this is where we get to what he's teaching. The five loaves and two fishes, I believe, are important because they're spelled out here. We're going to get into a little numerology quickly because I'm about done. He has two fishes. Two means union or a witness. Remember, the Lord says, so shall a man leave his father and mother, and they twain shall be one flesh. The two shall become one. So, the number two speaks of unity. Now, the number two can also speak of division. <laughs> and sometimes we have a little division between husband and wife, right? So two's not always unity, but it should be. But two is a, is a number that means a witness. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the truth be established. That's how you establish truth is through cross-examination of witnesses. Not trial by media, by the way. Truth is established because it's got to be able to withstand cross-examination. But truth, too, the numbers. Number one means unity. Denying the possibility of a difference. God is one. Unity. But two affirms that there is a difference. There is another. Now this difference may oppose and be evil. Or this difference may confirm and be for good. Two is the number of union for strengthening, for encouragement, like marriage. And Christ sent the apostles out by twos for united, for encouragement, for union. Christ here is partnering. This is what he's teaching. He's partner partnering with this lad. 
to encourage him that two fishes would not feed this crowd, but partnered with Jesus, it would do the job. Now you say, well, what does the five loaves represent? Well, five is the number of grace throughout the Bible. Grace is favor shown to the unworthy. Grace is magnified in weakness. And here was the weakness. The crowd was hungry and the food was little. That was the weakness. But the grace of God, when put in the hands of the Master, His grace is sufficient to meet the need. But when you put those two numbers together, five and two, that's the number seven. And seven is the number of one completion to perfection. Seven days in the week. And I could go on and on. That completes your week. Seven notes in the musical scale. The eighth note starts it over again. New beginning. I mean... I could go on and on with that. Seven is the number of completeness, but it's also the number of perfect. Jesus made the five loaves and the two fishes perfect to feed the crowd. I believe that to be the lesson. I believe what this lad learned that day, that little is much when God is in it. And we never need to lose sight that even though we're little, little is much when God is in it. God will give more through you than he will give to you. They took up 12 basketfuls when everybody had eaten to their fill. God will give more through you than he will give to you. But the point I like the best, you can tell this is an original message, Jesus can turn a little lunch into an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> Amen. It's what he taught that little boy. I think I had mentioned that last week, that I, our family kind of grew up poor. We're full-time ministers, and I don't mean that in any, dis, you know, as in, oh, poor pitiful us. No, my mama and my father made sure that we were always dressed well-kept. I mean, we wore the best clothes, and I, I don't mean they bought them, we get them. We call them missionary bags where people would donate clothes. I wore Izod's and Nike's. Good stuff. My mom wouldn't let me go to the grocery store in a pair of sweatpants. Never would. She wouldn't let me go in a, in a work shirt that I played in or a play shirt. You get in there, we're going to the grocery store, get you some clean clothes on. She'd check us. But there was times when, when you have seven children, and you're living by faith, you might not have a lot of food. And when you have seven children and two adults, one chicken, you're going to need two chickens at the same time if you're going to feed everybody. Oh, we didn't have two chickens. We had one chicken. Or we had just a little bit of something. And I've seen Dad ask the grace on that food. And everybody was served their portion. 
and none of us went away hungry and there was food left over for leftovers later if I didn't clean the table off. You say, what are you saying? I've seen God do stuff like this. I've not seen him feed the 5,000, but I've seen him sustain a family of seven children and two adults with just a little bit of food. But he also taught us to give thanks for it. Little is much when God is in it. And I've seen God more than once turn a little lunch into an all-you-can-eat buffet. God is good. There's something to those five loaves and two fishes. Learning to lend to the Lord. The principle is be a giver. Say, well, I only got a little bit. Then give it. Because God will turn that little bit into a lot. Now this boy give it all. You let the Holy Spirit work with you in whichever way He wants. The principle is learn to be a giver. You're going to have to be a follower. You're going to have to be available. You're going to have to be trainable. Spend some time at the feet of Jesus to let Him take what little we have, but when we give it all to Him, it'll meet the need. Let's all stand this morning. Get a little song of invitation.